Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to Thursday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. Loaded up. Plenty of thoughts on what we could see schedule-wise. And we'll dive uh, full into that. Uh, coming up, Brandon Vogel in 20 minutes from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. I believe Vogues has out his red permanent marker for schedule. Gary Barnett in one hour. Dave Biddle, a Buckeye insider, get his take on this whole process and the love fest between Ohio State and Nebraska. Dave Biddle next hour. And then the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke with VEASAN. And get his thoughts on some picks this weekend. You can join us, can jump in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-800. Five eight six five. So, some questions here when it comes to the schedule. And, you know, first and foremost, we're going to get to see a schedule. That's what's most important. Uh, we will not in person get to see game, but I want to start there. As, as much as Nebraska and their brass pushed back on the cancellation excuse postponement of football and publicly we're very hey we'll see if january something we'll see if spring's a reality how about thanksgiving well no i mean we got what we needed as football fans right the fact that you're going to get a start date here coming up the 23rd slash 24th of october and you'll have a chance to be in the college football playoff what i'm wondering here is Will Nebraska reload for round two with help from some places around the Big Ten footprint? And that's Iowa. That's Ohio State. That is Happy Valley. That's Lincoln. At some point, if you can kick off and have some games, it's been fluid in 2020. I can't tell you what kind of fluid's been leaking. Your guess is as good as mine, but it's not a good fluid. So I'm not going to completely put the door shut and lock it, just like I didn't for football season actually to happen. My candle went out a couple of times, but I think there may be a chance to revisit fans in the stands. And I think Nebraska will no doubt lead the charge. Bill Moose was on the network last night, kind of reiterated what he said with his press conference about just needing to to push back and it's just ridiculous from a local standpoint you can't make your own decisions is what it is but it doesn't need to be in ink speaking of that ink let's let's talk schedule and what do you want to see as a nebraska fan you're going to get to see games as things will ramp back up guys can start practicing and putting the pads on there the, the 30th of september and kickoff will be uh, the 23rd slash 24th. The Big Ten will probably come in with a bang 
uh, on a on a Friday Saturday deal. You've had Barry Alvarez mention that they're they're looking at all options to to hook up their TV partners. Those options being some Friday night games. Listen, I hate Friday night games, but this year I'm good with Friday night games. And then also Monday games. I have not, forgive me, uh, looked at the full spread of Monday night football games. That said, some of them are great, some of them are terrible. Uh, the NFL says Sunday night, you're our, you're our big dog. The great games go Sunday night, all right, in the NFL. So if Monday night college football is an option, I'm good with that. And I love the fact that you're going to get a a plus one game the weekend of the Big Ten championship game, even if you're not in the Big Ten championship game. So a Monday night game would be pretty tasty. That'd be a lot of fun. What can we look at schedule-wise? Really strong work, again, by Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson, As we examine the schedule, you had the athletic director for Purdue kind of hint that, look, schedule wise, this may go back to the original pre-COVID 2020 schedule Uh, that had three crossovers, not two. You know, Nebraska is going to get Purdue. You know, Nebraska is going to get Illinois. You know, Nebraska is getting Northwestern and Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota. Those will all happen. And if Nebraska draws Penn State and Ohio State and you get rid of Rutgers, are you good with that? Would you rather see Nebraska get a Rutgers or get a Sparty or get Indiana, get somebody else from the East versus having both big dogs in an eight-game plus one season? And it just depends where you're at as a Nebraska fan. What's your confidence level? Let's shift to win total for 2020. Hey, I'm going to look at development. I'm going to look at competitiveness. I'm going to look at game management. I'm going to look at execution. Those are the things I'm interested in and in seeing where Nebraska is at because I know their focus has been there. I know their want to has been there. You just haven't always seen it come to fruition for four full quarters. And and you have a lot of upperclassmen on this team where, listen, uh, the, the time is now to step forward. Uh, the, the time is now to kind of, go, kind of go show it. Nebraska's been very loud, and that's good. That is great for not only Nebraska, its fan base, but the rest of the Big Ten kind of following Nebraska's lead on that. That's been wonderful. But now is time to go show it and go play football and get a win against some of these teams that have had your number. And and they're, they're teams that you, you can't really say, and it's okay to be elitist here as a Nebraska fan. It's okay without a straight face to say, you know, the time has come to, to, to win by a couple of touchdowns against a Purdue and not lose to them three straight times. The time has come to, to not – Sweat one out at Illinois like last year. And the time's come. You've, you've played your butt off against Iowa and had some great fourth quarters against Iowa, but not the final minute against Iowa. Wisconsin, you put up a lot of yards, just not a lot of points. So where does it shake out? What's it look like as we 
kind of picture the 24th of October. Is it as simple as sliding back in the pre-COVID schedule? And it looked like this. You'd have Northwestern uh, would be your first road game, but you kick things off with Purdue on October 24th. I'd love to see Purdue kick off here in Lincoln. Maybe you make it a Friday night under the lights. Lots of red and spirit in the stands. So Purdue, and then you're at Northwestern, you get Illinois. And does Nebraska get any variance at all, at all, from this murderer's row they were supposed to originally end the season with? Is the final five still the final five, where you're at Ohio State, you get Penn State, you're at Iowa, you're at Wisconsin, and you're at Minnesota? I don't know. And if, if that if it's if it's the same, do you automatically chalk it up to well the Big Ten's punishing us? Bring on the punishment. It's time to hand some punishment back if you're a Nebraska fan and give me my vote is to give me Ohio State and Penn State. And do you want to flip around Northwestern and Illinois for an earlier showdown at Wisconsin or at Iowa. I'd like to play Iowa or Wisconsin in good weather. And, and honestly, you have two weeks at the end of October to, to maybe get that. And who knows, maybe November is going to be mild and all right. I have no clue. But the, the way things could shake out, if you, if you just slide in the old pre-COVID school schedule, it's Purdue through Minnesota where you'd get Penn State on November 21st. You'd get Iowa on that Black Friday. It would shift back to a November 27th game in Iowa City. And then you'd be at Wisconsin December 5th. And then you'd wrap up with Minnesota December 12th. And then a week later, you have your plus one to give you a nine-game schedule. Other question I have for you, do you have a lock? Do you have a lock for the Big Ten? Is that... It's Ohio State and everybody else. Is it a situation where you think somebody can dethrone Ohio State? And where, we'll talk with Brandon Vogel about this, where do you think Nebraska can finish in a crazy year, in a weird year in the West? I'll tell you this. uh, Bateman's not coming back for for Minnesota, and they lost their stud lineman. You still got uh, Tanner Morgan, who's a really good quarterback. But Minnesota's, it's it's a, they're not at the point in their program where they just reload. Okay, I just I just don't think so. I think Fleck begrudgingly, uh, you can take his personality and set it off to the side. I think he's a really good coach. All right, screwball, but he's a good coach. I still think Nebraska is, they're they're at worst on par with Minnesota, and. Is Nebraska that team? If you ask your buddy Desmond Howard, tongues all in cheek here. He said Nebraska's sneaky good. I I tend to, dare I say, agree that I think Nebraska could be sneaky good. And from a reality standpoint, before all this thing blew up, I was probably thinking six and six, seven and five. Now let's shrink that down to a nine-game schedule. Is Nebraska five and four? Is Nebraska four and five? Where are they in the West? Don't know. But I think I would I would take their offensive line over most of the West division, not named Iowa, not named Wisconsin. 
I'd take Nebraska's quarterback. Honestly, I'd, I'd take Adrian as the quarterback out of the West. Here's what I think we're going to see is you're going to see an Adrian Martinez that's not only hungry and not only has a chip on his shoulder, but I think you're going to see a, a confident Adrian Martinez because you're going to see chemistry continue to grow. And I think they've been working well together with some of his new toys. You got Wandale and you got Mills to lean on. And you got a veteran offensive line and you've got a, a center in Jurgens where he's going to make it easier for you this year. But you've got Alante Brown. You've got Omar Manning. You've got Warner that's healthy. You've got some tight ends. You've got a guy in Vocalect that no one's seen, but, man, we've heard a lot about. So I think there is the possibility for Nebraska's offense to be really, really good. And I think there's the possibility for Nebraska's run game to be one of the best in the conference. And if we're talking run games, if you're in the top three or four of the Big Ten in the run game, when you look at what Wisconsin and Iowa traditionally do and you have Ohio State, if you're in that conversation on the offensive side of the ball, you're top four. You're good. You're going you're gonna to grind out some wins. Defense? Don't know, man. I know that they got a veteran secondary. Need the linebackers to play well. And you got a lot of options. You got a lot of options with the defensive line. Can you get some Juco help from uh, Nico, Phil Darius, and uh, some of the other kids. So I, I think it's going to be an all right season for Nebraska. I'm glad that we get that. And if the schedule is, in fact, what it was supposed to look like pre-COVID and you just punt Rutgers, please give me that. Rutgers doesn't want to play football very badly. Their administration doesn't. That's not a Shiano shot. That's not a shot at their team. I, I, I think there's a handful of schools in the Big Ten that really just, I guess we'll play. I think there's that attitude with some schools because they've had an issue with not only just coaching transition but limited practices, and it's been hell for them with COVID and guys staying disciplined. Give me that schedule. Give me Penn State. Give me Ohio State. That's who I'm drafting. Uh, a quick thought and condolences to Scott Frost, his family, and uh, you just think about what uh, Coach Frost has, has been through this year as not only the leader of, of a number of kids uh, and this program and the hype, the buildup, the COVID uh, pandemic with just having to speak up, take a lot of arrows from a lot of loud mouths nationally, and, and get criticized that way and then have things just jumbled because of COVID-19, you, it's, it's had to test you as a leader. And he's, this is his fourth year as a head coach. Clearly, he's capable and clearly he's got his kid's best interest in mind. But you have the emotional roller coaster of leading and trying to be in the loop with a conference that can't communicate, that has had to be draining. And then you factor in the passing of his father, Larry, yesterday. On the same day that you get the announcement that you get returned to play, I uh, I just want to send condolences out to to Coach Frost and his family. Uh, I would see Coach Frost's mom and dad uh, leaving the practice field, uh, post-practices, and I know there was some some history with uh, the Frost family back in, in the McCook region where my grandparents 
were from and just, uh, you know, great people and salt of the earth folks. And it's just a sad day for, for Coach Frost. Uh, thoughts and prayers to him and his family with his dad's passing uh, yesterday. So I wanted to, to, to pass that along. And I know Nebraska fans have reached out on social media. Uh, a plenty to, uh, to to send their best wishes to the family. We'll spend some time with Brandon Vogel, a little bit more on schedule. And, uh, you know, is Ohio State that lock for a national championship run? Great to be with you on Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Gary Barnett, Dave Biddle coming up next hour. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel. On Twitter, he's an author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, I, I laid this out. You have your big red ink pen. It's one of those giant magic markers, and, and you've You've set the schedule, haven't you? <laughs> I haven't gotten that far down the road. Uh, you know, last time this uh, this happened, I jumped right into it and started uh, figuring, like, okay, 10-game conference schedule, here's how this, that could work. This time I'm just like, just just give us anything. Give give Nebraska four four away games at Alabama, four away games at Ohio State. It'll be tough, tough, tough draw, but I'll take it at this point. I loved uh, Dan Corey's tweet from – earlier in the week where Nebraska's bye week, you know, back when there was a thought there'd be a bye week, it was, you know, Clemson. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and then you're going to, you're going to get together the 2014, uh, Ohio state team with, uh, Zeke and, and Cardale and, and for good measure, let's throw in the 85 bears. Uh, let's, let's do it that way. Uh, I, I you know, Dan tweeted in, Kind of his reaction. I was going through the schedule. Really nice piece by by Derek Peterson, Doctor Petey, on what the schedule could look like. And Dan's like, "Look, man, I you know, get me Penn State, get me Ohio State. I, I want to play those two, even if they may be losses or could be losses, versus a forfeit from Rutgers. Level of concern, and we can just kind of go COVID dial here: green, yellow, or red." <laughs> about a forfeit uh, in, in Big Ten play. Do you worry about I mean, these dudes are getting tested every freaking day. I mean, is it – it may not be a good thing to, to say, all right, uh, your, your walk-on quarterback is, is your starter because your, your quarterback room got blown up by COVID. Uh, that said, you're going to be able to know and, and tell and, and I would hope keep people distance. Are you, are you worried about a forfeit at all? Um, not worried, but I do think it's a little bit inevitable just based on what we see early on from, from college football, which has been able to progress for the most part pretty well. But, you know, you saw middle of last week, well, it might even have been around this time last week, you know, Virginia, Virginia tech. Okay. They're going to play a week later. Um, NC state had a game, TCU had a game. So you've seen this happen at some, some power five schools. And now granted, one of the big Ten's advantages is that there'll be a full month plus some farther down the road with this. And you can do daily rapid testing. So maybe you can contain it a little bit better, but I'd be very surprised if every big 10 team got all eight regular season games. And then, you know, 
if one of those is a division game, I guess you just hope it doesn't factor into mm-hmm. to those division races too heavily. But, you know, I think there will be a couple. I think the ability to, to test daily really changes a lot of that. And as some of these other schools, you know, We've we've seen uh, some of the other conferences that were sitting out. Really, the Big Ten was a big domino to fall. They're all kind of rushing to say, "Okay, well, now we've got to figure out a way to do this." Um, I I think you'll see that diminish a little bit as we get farther into the season. So far, we've seen a couple, and I think you know it's it's safe to reserve a few of those for the Big Ten. Vogues, uh, I want to get your thoughts on something Barry Alvarez and. Purdue's AD also said, and, and Barry has been super creative with the schedule. I love the uh, the plus one where you get a chance to, to hook up uh, championship weekend. I mean, you'll have that spotlight on some really cool Big Ten matchups aside from the conference championship. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering here if you like the Monday night and, and, and Friday night options. I've always been pretty anti-Friday. Not not in 2020. Give me football. We'll we'll make it work. But you could put a really kick butt schedule together, couldn't you? With maybe a handful of primetime Monday night matchups, especially on maybe some less desirable Monday night football NFL days. I mean, do you, do you do you say bring it on Monday night football NFL? Let's let's try and take some of your audience with maybe a Wisconsin Iowa. Yeah, I mean that was that was the bigger surprise to me, of course, than Friday. You know that right. that Monday is kind of a, a holy day for the NFL, and to be playing college games on there. I mean, I know where I would go. Like, yeah. I, I just favor college college over NFL, and and I would be one hundred percent in on that for the kind of more general or casual viewer who just loves football. It becomes a little bit tougher. So that one would be a surprise. I'm I'm with you in that generally speaking for the big 10, at least like I'll watch whatever college game is on Friday night. I don't want to watch, you know, Purdue and Indiana on a Friday for the most part. Um, (laughs) But in in, in this case, it's like, it's like, why not do it? Because uh, I mean, the biggest hurdle for that is well, one high school football. And then two, okay. If you're like, well, it's after high school is mostly done or whatever. Um, you're looking at, man, it's just, it's just hard to turn one of these classic Big Ten football towns to take a Saturday and make it a Friday night when people typically have to work yeah. and all of that stuff. Without fans, you diminish that a little bit, so it makes it a little bit more viable. And just given the circumstances, it's kind of like, yeah, man, give me all the, give me all the football you got at this point. So, so for a one-year exemption, uh, I'm willing to entertain Big Ten football on just about any day. Brandon Vogel's with his managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogels, I'm looking at the Monday Night Football schedule, and you've got Tampa at New York. I mean, you don't really want to go against Tom Brady November 2nd. Jets, Patriots, eh, still not a Jets guy. Vikings, Bears, you got a lot of fan. You got a lot of fans from both those squads in the Midwest. Tampa, L.A. It's nice Levante and Sue will be on Monday Night Football, you know, for the first time in a while. Seattle, Eagles, San Fran, Buffalo. Uh, December 14th, the week before the uh, the Big Ten Championship game and that, that plus one weekend, you get Baltimore and Cleveland. So, r- really, it's 
why not give it a shot? I'd almost look at Thursday night. I'd almost look at Thursday night, and I want your take on this. Nebraska didn't take no for an answer with football. Neither did Ohio State. At what point, if you're if you're three weeks into the season and things are sailing along, do you uh, do you pick up the phone and say about that no fan thing? I mean, at what point do you do you really look at revisiting that? Because I don't think it's closed. Yeah, I could I could see that being still. I mean, if there's a lesson from. <laughs> 2020 as a whole, if be willing to be adaptable, and even though the Big Ten was pretty staunch against that, it required at least some of that to even get to, to where we are, and it required a lot of effort you know, on a lot of people's parts, including uh, a lot of Nebraska effort to even kind of open those doors back up. So having been through that once uh, for the Big Ten, I would think they'd be a little bit more open to it. I think a lot of it will depend on how some of these games go, um, you know, in that we had some football games before the Big Ten <laughs> revisited uh, their decision and, and came up with a plan to return to play that offered some evidence. And there are schools out there that are having limited capacity. Some are going no no fans. And I think the data from that could help could help um, inform those decisions if, if they're willing to keep an open mind. And at this point, it would be, I don't see why you wouldn't. Um, having been through what the Big Ten's been through. Bogues, uh, let's shift a little bit here as as we look at on-field. Where were you feeling Nebraska was at? I won't even say pre-COVID, but with the second schedule shuffle uh, from a win-loss total, how do you feel moving forward now Nebraska may be prepared in comparison to some of their brethren in the West I mean, I think Iowa's been pretty locked in. I know Wisconsin's been on pause. I think Minnesota, as good a job as Fleck has done, they could be a, a, a mess. And I North, Northwestern's got a defense. Rondale ain't coming back. So <laughs> where do you slot Nebraska in the West race here as we, uh, we're a month away? Yeah, I would say, you know, back when we thought we might have a normal season, I was kind of, okay, Wisconsin and Iowa are probably going to be Wisconsin and Iowa. Minnesota has a lot to replace. I was cautiously optimistic on Nebraska. I was pretty optimistic on Northwestern. Um, and now looking at an eight-game schedule and everything that's happened since, say, July, I would say I've become even a little bit more optimistic on Nebraska just because they were able to get players on campus as early as anyone. As far as we know, they haven't had any major issues in terms of the, the testing and the protocols they put in place. They haven't had to pause um, like some other schools. And they haven't lost um, anyone due to opt-outs. Minnesota's lost one, but it's a really big one. And Purdue lost one, and it's a really big one. When you just look at what those offenses were, were returning and how much guys like Bateman and Rondale Moore meant to those offenses. So that leaves me a little bit less bullish on, on those two. So, so I think, you know, Wisconsin, they had to pause, but Wisconsin's going to be Wisconsin for the most part. Mm-hmm. They'd still be a deserving favorite. But then I'd probably have Nebraska and Iowa right after that. Um, and I don't know if I could, probably would have gone in that order exactly two or three months ago. Sure. So Nebraska's ability to kind of weather this, um, I think, gives it a little bit of a leg up. Um, I still wouldn't pick them to win the division, but – who knows? I mean, I think this season is going to be chaotic in the Big Ten, and if everything goes normal, 
we know what Ohio State is, right? Like that's just a machine that keeps rolling. And it probably still will. But when you introduce some of this other stuff in there, there's at least an opening there, I think, where like, hey, maybe Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten. I, I would still pick them to do it, but it seems less likely in a year like this than if we just had a normal year. Well, there is, I mean, I, we'll talk with Dave Biddle later. He's their Buckeye insider. I think you may have your Ohio State guys opt back in. Uh, if, if I think that's happening, I I don't know where Penn State's at. I mean, I think they're really good, yeah. but I think losing Parsons is is huge, and the pressure of having to, having to run the table uh, is is there. Yeah. And and Brad Edwards is saying, look, a, a one loss Big Ten team w- would still get in, um, yeah. and and I think that that's fair. But I think there's I think there's a lot of pressure and expectation for Ohio State. How do they handle that? I know they're hungry. I know they're pissed about Clemson last year. But um, I I think we're going to see something similar to pre-COVID where you're going to have Purdue and Illinois and Penn State and Minnesota as your your four home games for Nebraska and the road games, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and uh, Northwestern. We'll see if it, it varies at all. Vogues, it's awesome to chat with you. We'll do this again and uh, catch up for the weekend edition. You take care, man. Thanks for the time. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Brandon Vogel with us. We'll dive into uh, recruiting news when it comes to the dead period and the NSAA. Everyone's welcome for the postseason. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, and uh, Barnett is coming up. That was Barney. He is done with golf. So we will talk a lot about the Pac-12. Looks like it's Halloween for them to resume play. We'll get Coach Barnett's thoughts on the Big Ten, the Pac-12, how much money he won or lost from Husker legend Tony Davis, because they are playing golf. And uh, just what the hell you do as head coach getting guys ready. 466-3776, 466-3776, Open phone still. 5 o'clock here, you want to jump in, can email chris at hailvarsity.com and uh, can always find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Give me a follow. Give Damon Barr a follow at Damon Barr. That's two R's. So don't know if you saw this or not, but you've got a – Really talented kid out of Olathe, Kansas. Arland Bryce is his name. I screwed that up. Arland Bruce, the fourth. Arland Bruce, the fourth. He is a 2021 wide receiver. He's committed to the Hawkeyes. And uh, this is a quote for him. And this came across my attention uh, on my Twitter timeline with, with um, Cam Taylor Britt quote tweeting this with the laughing I'm crying emoji this is uh, Bruce the fourth's quote just because Thomas Fedoni went to Nebraska doesn't mean anything we're going to beat them Nebraska every year I promise you man Providing bulletin board material for five years to come for the Nebraska secondary, the Nebraska football team. Thank you, Arland 
Bruce the Fourth out of Olathe. You know what, though? To his defense, aren't wideouts supposed to be kind of cocky and diva-ish? I miss wide receiver diva. Typically. Got to back that up. And you got to come over the middle. That's all I'm going to say. But you know what? Good for his confidence level. This is interesting. And Nebraska has been able to roll with the punches in the recruiting world during COVID better than most. When you look at the number of commitments Nebraska has had, specifically here without the ability to have official visits or go places from an evaluation standpoint, okay? Nebraska's had some guys that fit that mold and lifestyle edict. Got to love football. Well, Nebraska's had guys on their own dime come check things out. Now, I know Schweitzer flipped to Notre Dame, but Schweitzer on his own own dime came to Lincoln to check things out. You can't interact or spend time with coaches. I, I know this. But he wanted to get a feel, and he liked it, but his dream school was Notre Dame. That wasn't a good loss for Nebraska. But the, the peer recruiting that has gone on, thanks to Harburg, the peer recruiting that's gone on with, uh, with Teddy Prohaska really helped land Thomas Fedoni. All right, and that, that's a, a huge get for Nebraska. But you look at Fedoni, you look at uh, Lutovsky, you look at Harburg, you look at Jaeger, you look at uh, Mackay uh, Gabor out of, out of Jersey, the linebacker that just committed. I mean, Nebraska's got a good, good class, and they've got a class that can develop and play well, and this has all been done during the hell that is COVID-19. And it's been done without without many official visits. Nebraska's evaluated early enough to be comfortable. And Nebraska, listen, some schools are still trying to adjust, and it may be feast or famine for what 2021 looks like or 2022. The NCAA uh, extending the recruiting dead period, and this thing's kept getting pushed back. It's been extended through December 31st. So, yeah, the Big Ten reversed the decision uh, to cancel football in the fall yesterday, but the limitations for college sports is still continuous here with the pandemic. ton of uncertainty uh, when it comes to recruiting, and that's been altered so heavily. And the update by the NCAA here was that extension of the dead period. So January 1st, 2021 is the next time you can probably, and let's say extend it again, who knows, but there's not going to be any on-campus or off-campus contacts, no on-campus or off-campus evaluations, no involvement with camps or clinics, no official or unofficial visits through the end of the calendar year. That's why for kids it's so important to have showcase opportunities like the Warren Academy did a little while back, right? They had that that get-together, and I know coaches can't pop in, but at least it's some guys you trust that are there working and, and continually helping develop kids. Uh, Nebraska will deal with this, and they've dealt with this 
far better than, than a number of, of programs when you've seen the fact that they've been able to continue to round out their class uh, this recruiting session. Let's talk high school ball. Uh, to our game tomorrow here locally in Lincoln will be Southeast and Creighton Prep. I'll have that coverage for you at 8 o'clock. The NSAA and Stu Pospisil reporting this. The NSAA board approving all 24 Class A teams to be eligible for the postseason. Of course, OPS is opting out, and the starting the postseason will be in Week 9, and uh, they're going to form a seating committee. So... I guess you're you're expanding the playoffs from 16 to 24, but it it just sucks if you're a kid at Burke, if you're a kid at Omaha North, and if you're a kid at Central. And I've I've hit three of the higher talented OPS schools. If I'm leaving somebody out, someone slap me. But those are the three that come to mind. Prep's still doing their thing. Westside's incredible. Uh, prep's really good. Southeast is fantastic. The Knights are young but super talented. Lincoln East is damn good. They're a really good football team. That's what I've seen so far. Uh, I've seen East, and I, I will see Southeast, and I'm anxious to see what Prep is all about with uh, a couple of their kids. But I guess more is better in the NSAA's eyes, and they gotta they got to make up for the, the loss of, of OPS not not playing. That has been torture on some really high-level prospects. It's been torture on a number of kids that have put in the work and the coaches. Man, you feel you feel really rough uh, for those kids that haven't been able to participate. But we'll see how the how the seating goes. And uh, football is a great thing, and more kids are going to get an opportunity to play in the postseason. That's the silver lining. Is more better if you have a team that's winless? Hey, sweet. We made it to the postseason my junior year. What do you remember about the year? Didn't win a game. There's that reality. I think you should earn your way in. Honestly. But, hey, COVID's a crazy year. We'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, a little more clarity on the uh, everyone gets in Class A 2020 high school postseason. Top eight seeds will get buys. So the uh, all-important buy is uh, within reach. So I got to ask where you're leaning, Damon Barr, the rum connoisseur. Does Mr. Burrow get his first win? Does he get his first win, or does Cleveland bounce back and Baker and company? Lines minus six. We'll talk with Danny Burke in less than an hour, get some of Burke's best bets. But the last time I was excited to watch a Cleveland-Cincinnati game, there were snowballs flying in Three Rivers. Hold on, I screw that up. In Bengals Stadium, I think Three Rivers is where Pittsburgh used to play. But Sam Weish got on the microphone and screamed and put down Bengals fans. And I love the old AFC Central showdowns back in the day with the Oilers and Steelers and Bengals and Browns. But I want to see Joe Burrow do his thing. I want to do. I want to. I will watch that tonight. 
I'm uh, interested to see where uh, you know Cleveland just got destroyed, and they they killed Baltimore last year. They had kind of a surprise win. So, is this thing like a, a 13 to 10 pillow fight, or do we get some fireworks tonight? I, I think the Bengals perform a little better than last Sunday, and in watching that game, it felt like they were going to win down the stretch in in classic Chargers fashion to lose at the last second. I mean, it, it's something I've seen too many times, and a series of unfortunate events led to their loss. I really feel like. Burrow didn't play poorly either. Burrow played pretty well. Didn't play great, but I mean, he played all was, right. was good in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He played well enough to be a starting NFL quarterback. And, and I really think the Browns just, uh, it won't happen. I, I, I'm pretty sure the Bengals have got this one tonight. Okay. Really? So you're saying on the road, Burrow shows up Baker, and there's pandemonium in Cleveland because they're angry. I think so. Because, again, you, you can't be there. I'm wondering if Burroughs' family, mom, dad, and, and girlfriend, if it's a traveling cutout, if you can still put them in the end zone. Reminder about uh, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash is buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Are you doing dinner tonight with the girlfriend? Is it is it a a two for week? Uh, we're doing a little uh, cooking at home tonight. A little uh, pork tenderloin and uh, mashed potatoes and really? nice dinner. Yeah. So do you have that thing like just on the smoker now? Uh, we we go out and buy the the pre package thing at yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. store and yeah. throw that in the oven and call it. Good. Okay. So it's not. It's not over a fire right no, now, no. rotating. It's no. not rotisserie. We haven't been uh, slaving over it all day, no. <laughs> I'd lie to me and say, oh, yeah, we, we take oh, turns. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's been an all-day all day event cooking it. We we just picked the potatoes from our garden, and we are we are mashing. Definitely not uh, from the box, no. No, I, I. You know what? My wife likes boxed potatoes, and I'll, I'll, I'll be weak, and I'll buy the, the prepackaged and throw it in the microwave, but at least they're real. But they're, they're, you can't beat homemade mashed potatoes. Do you do you do that, or are you going instant? Uh, we usually do the instant. We uh we do, we do stuff with uh, potatoes, but we throw those in the air fryer. We don't really mess with mashed potatoes. Yeah, no, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. All right, we'll uh, spend some time. Gary Barnett's coming up. Dave Biddle from Bucknuts. Ohio State insider Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, hour two on the way with Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, and uh, we welcome in the coach, uh, Northwestern in Colorado, Gary Barnett with us. Coach, good to spend some time with you. I We will get to football in a minute. I got to hear about the golf round today. How was it? <laughs> we had a ball. We played up at TPC uh, Colorado and uh, played with uh, Tony Davis and Bob Churchich and another gentleman from up there, and uh, we had a ball. Uh, you know, 
Tony's got such a dry wit, and Church and I are good friends. So I had to listen to a lot of Nebraska stuff, but, you know, she just put up with it sometimes. I told him it was part of my community service work that I have to go play golf with the two guys from Nebraska. But uh, we had a ball. That is awesome. Now, I I got to bump into Tough Tony in Boulder last year, and uh, we were smiling in the, you know, pregame and postgame was a little rough, but, you know, it is what it is, and it's 2020 now. But I got to how, – how is, how is Tough Tony swinging the clubs? Pretty awesome? You know, he's uh, – he's uh, his knee really bothers him. He's going to have it replaced, I think, in uh, – he thought January, mm-hmm. but uh, – uh, yeah, Tony plays. He he putts really well, and uh, he actually they won money because he putted so well. Really, the two Nebraska guys did. So um, uh, Bob Churchich is he's seventy five years old, and he still he drives it further than most guys. And you know he's really really good. He's a three handicap, and just uh, you know he plays from any length on the golf course, and just a he's Bob is really solid. Okay. Well, there's there's always next week. Get your money back, right? <laughs> well, I, I play about four days a week with church, so it, it comes and goes. Ah, well, there you go. Well, lots happened, Coach. I want to shift over to football. And, you know, really awesome day for a lot of folks in the Big Ten, Nebraska fans and players and coaches, really happy and all across the uh, the Big Ten landscape. And what's your reaction and thoughts to uh, what you were able to see uh, not only from the Big Ten brass, uh, but also, you know, Barry Alvarez, the scheduling, and just overall, what's your take on football back in the Big Ten? Well, I think I think it just it's a big relief to everybody, and it's it's uh, you, you know I um, you got to sell hope all the time, and I think that's what this does, and uh, people are going to get to watch them. It won't be what it's been, uh, and the schedule won't be the same. We won't have a non-conference games and all that. But just playing and and having somebody to root for, because we all want to root for somebody at this point in time. And so, um, you know, I thought it was it was interesting. I thought the Big Ten was, uh, you know, the, the, the restrictions that they put in and the guidelines that they're going to practice and play under are pretty strict. I mean, um, I mean, if, if you're if you're uh, contagious or if, if you test positive, you you can't you know you can't play for 21 days. Yeah. You can't, uh, and so that's a lot. That could be four games. And, and what it does, Chris, is it really forces you to be a good teammate. I mean, the definition of a good teammate now changes because you know you have to stay healthy so that everybody else gets to play as well now. So. You know, it's been a really interesting development, this whole COVID and what it's done to people and schools and teams. And, you know, we're going to see more and more out of it. You know, I mean, we're, it's unintended consequences are going to continue to show up here and there. And so it's, uh, but, but it, everybody's got hope now. And, and I think the Pac 12 is going to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they haven't done anything permanently for sure or for, you know, haven't set a schedule up or that sort of stuff. But I think it's the gates are open for them to play through the, the governors in, the, uh, in Oregon and California. So it's, you know, I think everybody's going to have a couple of months of what we all feel like is normalcy. Is Halloween too ambitious of a start date or – from what you've been able to gauge in the Pac-12, can that happen? 
I think Halloween would be the earliest that they could play, uh, and that would be a compromise. I think that they basically coaches think they can get them ready in a month. Mm-hmm. I think uh, administrators and health officials think you should take six weeks. But I, I think they've all been working out and they've all been practicing to some extent. Uh, so I think a month. Uh, I think a month is plenty of time, really. So uh, I, I think that's realistic. I, I really do. Now, whether they, you know, I know the Big Ten's going to f- try to finish their schedule by the 20th of December, which is when the uh, playoffs get announced. I don't know whether the Pac-12 can meet that schedule or not. I, I think that's difficult, but they they might only have to place be able to play seven games in order to have it done by then. But uh, I'm sure – they're hopeful that they can work into the playoff situation as well. How uh, how big of a threat do you think Oregon was going to be for for the CFP? I mean, they've had some dudes opt out, and now they got to replace a quarterback, but Mario's got a squad. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – I mean, I think it's, it's the best hope okay. in the Pac-12 – uh, I don't know that it's a legitimate hope, but I think it's the best hope. Uh, so, you, you you know, a lot of things can happen. I mean, you see games being canceled now right and left, and um, that, that could all, all that's going to figure in before, before it's all over. This thing's so fluid mm-hmm. that you really don't want to – you can't really sit down and say it's going to be like this. Or more than likely, it's going to be like that. I I just think we're going to have to play it out and deal with the ambiguity, and and handle it, improvise and adjust. As sort of the mantra of coaches, it's always been that, but now it really means that. Gary Barnett's with us. Few minutes. Hail Varsity Radio, talking college football, a return to play. So, is it a bad look to get back to football but not allow fans? You know, I think what it does, it takes it totally takes out the home field advantage. And um, I watched three, I watched four games last weekend. I watched the uh, Iowa State game. I watched the Kansas State game. I watched Kansas. I watched somebody. I watched Notre Dame. And you know, Notre Dame looked somewhat like you could get into it. Kansas State had a lot of people there. I think they had twenty five thousand. It, it sort of resembled a college football game. The other two didn't resemble a college football game at all. So I think just watching it, the, the biggest issue I'm having with all this that I'm worried about, Chris, is is that people may only want to watch the top-ranked teams mm-hmm. when it's like this, when fans can't go. And so, I mean, I had buddies say, really, you stayed up and watched uh, Kansas and – um, I tried. Coastal Carolina, are you kidding me? Or do you think I'm going to watch uh, Iowa State and Louisiana? So, I mean, I, you sort of feel like this this divide, is, uh, you know, the whole Power Five versus the, the group of five. I mean, it just seems like that divide's getting bigger and may get bigger because of all this. And that's that's my biggest concern. Well, and I just – I wonder if – if you get the first game or two off, 
on the right foot and there's not a postponement and what you're talking about guys really got to be good teammates people as of part a part of the uh, the teams and athletic uh events got to be good teammates so say you get this off without a hitch and a postponement do you think the big 10 could be open to revisiting allowing fans because you know what two weeks ago we thought the football was dead and done they they changed course on that could this be an issue because i know nebraska's really really pushing for for fans i know penn state wants fans i know ohio state i know iowa and and you know it, it just it's case by case coach with what are your covid numbers like what's your community like and that's what i'm surprised about is that the local communities didn't get to make their own call yeah and i'm a little surprised at that too and i think but i think a couple of things come into play here. I mean, if you don't have fans, um, and then and you do get off to a bad start, does anybody watch your games after that? Right. Because a lot of the the experience of college football is going to the games, tailgating, being there, feeling the excitement, feeling the venue. Uh, and if you can't go, and if you can't feel that, is it the same from your living room uh, or wherever? So, you know, to me, that's, that's a big question. The other thing is, um, our fans, is, is it, are, they, are they just going to come to certain places? I mean, if you only let them in um, uh, to the Clemsons of the world and the Alabamas of the world and those places, does this divide get even bigger? Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, those are my two concerns. What, uh, what's your typical routine for, for watching a game? You coached in so many of them. You, you're part of the network, so you call them. But when you get downtime to just watch college football, a, is it weird? Still, is it still weird for you, or is it was it ever weird? Or B, do you get together with people, or is it just you kind of by yourself with your ribs and and whatever you like to drink? You know, frankly, it's it's Mary and I when we get a chance to to just sit down the two of us, we'll we'll watch all day long. You know, <laughs> if we have a day that we can do that. Um, if I'm on the road calling a game, then I'm. I'm somewhere watching either in my room or with a couple of the guys that do broadcasts uh, at dinner. But mostly I'm going back to my room and watching it. And then I'm up first thing in the morning watching games. We go do our broadcast, and I can't wait to get home and and watch the game that night. So if I'm at home, then the minute I get, get back after the game, uh, my son, three grandsons, and, and Mary and I, are, we're watching football. And – I mean, that's just the way it is. Thursday nights are, have always been a special night for us. When I was coaching, I loved Thursday nights because we could watch somebody else play. And so uh, it was just uh, always Mary and I and, you know, having a, a, a sort of a football dinner, you know, whether it's <laughs> hot dogs or juicy burgers or some, pizza or something like that, uh, you know, to watch games. So that's that's I just watch them all the time. I mean, I watch – Kansas and and uh, Coastal Carolina to the end the other night. So no, that's that's awesome. That's really cool to hear your experience and your story. And those thurs, those Thursday night football games are 
are awesome. Uh, from a scheduling standpoint, we don't know officially yet what things will look like. There's talk that pre-COVID schedules could come into play, but you're going to lose. You're going to lose one of your crossover games. Now, Nebraska's crossovers, Penn State, Ohio State, and Rutgers. If they punt Rutgers, I'm good. Uh, I don't know that Nebraska is ready for, for Penn State or, or Ohio State, but you were always a pretty aggressive scheduler. I know that you um, you, you, you kind of anywhere, anytime, that was your mentality, but what would you think uh, about that for Nebraska? I mean, you get Penn State, you get Ohio State as the crossovers. Uh, is, do, you, do you have that attitude, that mindset of just bring it on, or, oh, man, give me Rutgers and, and not one of the two big dogs? Well, it just depends on what you got coming back. I mean, if you feel like you're ready to go play with everybody, bring them on. You're ready to play. And it depends on how much pressure you're under. Yeah. You know, how important is it to your fan base that you win, you know, 75% of your games? Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. So, um, you know, it's just play the games, have fun, enjoy it, go do your thing. Yeah. All right, what's going to happen at uh, the U.S. Open? Last thought here. And have you ever had a chance to swing away at Wingfoot? Yes, I have. I've played it probably three times. And uh, it's a hard golf course. Uh, It's very surprising. I think Justin Thomas is, what, five under? Yeah, two five. Patrick's three under Mm -hmm. or something. So... Um, but a hole in one gets you gets you two under real quick. So um, I, I think it's going to be close as to whether or not somebody's under par. And and I think Justin Thomas is probably a perfect player for that golf course. Uh, so I sort of like Justin Thomas, and having him jump out in the lead like he did uh, is probably a pretty good sign. But you know, uh, Xander Schauffele sure plays well in all these things. Uh, you know, so. Who knows? But I like I like Justin Thomas taking the lead right away. Is that the worst rough you've ever seen, Wingfoot? Yeah, probably so. Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst rough. Yeah, and I and I get to experience a lot of the roughs, so I can tell you about them. So <laughs> just go back to work. Don't ask and, me about the fairways, but I can tell you about the roughs. I wasn't trying to get in there on you. Go 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 win <laughs> some of Tough Tony's money back next week, and and we'll get caught up, Coach. Thanks for the time, and always appreciate your insight. Yeah, because you know what? Uh, Church and I are heading out to Dismal River and Prairie Club and Gothenburg next week. Yep, so uh, heading your way. Nice, man. Well, good. Good, good, good. Enjoy that. You'll love it. That'll be fun. All right. Take care, Coach. Bye, Chris. Bye. Coach Gary Barnett, good for him, making the way to Nebraska. Going to be a Dismal and Prairie Club. Uh, I hear those are sweet. I have not gotten the chance to swing away it either, which... Why should I? But, man, that's uh, that's good stuff. Good for him. Good uh, to run down the uh, thoughts of college football from Coach Gary Barnett. We'll head up to Columbus, Ohio State, their insight, their reaction to Nebraska. Uh, is the bromance real between the Big Red and them Buckeyes? Some scheduling thoughts as well. Is that a, a guarantee that Nebraska and Ohio State get to hook up this year? Uh, Dave Biddle going to be with us. Bucknuts Insider. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. 
Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery and uh, more smiles across the Big Ten with the return to play edict by the Big Ten. We welcome in Dave Biddle, insider for Ohio State with Buck Nuts at Dave Biddles, where you follow him on Twitter. Dave, it's uh, been a while since we've chatted, but man, oh man, did you think you'd see the day yesterday? There was pushback, but uh, finally a decision. And, and what's uh, what's it been like for Ohio State fans in your neck of the woods? Well, first of all, Chris, great to be with you. And uh, second of all, Ohio State and Nebraska will always be brothers from another mother now. Aligned at the hip, the Buckeyes and the Huskers fighting the good fight. But yeah, man, I mean, it's been a roller coaster like we've never seen. I really at one point gave up hope. You know, it looked like uh, maybe about two weeks. I still had hope for a while. Um, and then that faded about two weeks ago. Pretty much gave up hope. And then, you know, everything was uh, all of a sudden the, the momentum was building. And uh, what a sweet day yesterday was. We knew it was coming, but until it was official, you're still it's like man it's 2020 everything is bad has happened not just with this but many other things and uh but uh, to get that news yesterday it was just elation we here in ohio we can't thank nebraska enough for what they did and ohio state did everything they did but i think nebraska deserves the most credit with the lawsuit and just being so outspoken and but those are the two schools as well as iowa but i mean iowa was they're the part of the three amigos but it was ohio state nebraska with nebraska leading the charge and uh i'm just so glad the big 10 avoided disaster because Chris, if they didn't play and the other leagues played, crowned a champion, the NFL played, we have high school football playing, middle school football playing, and the Big Ten is sitting at home watching it all happen, I mean, it would have been the biggest disaster in sports history. So better late than never. I'm not going to bash them now. At least they finally got it right, even though it's going to be a truncated season. It'll be interesting, and and the brother from another mother is is apropos because you've got – in, on social media, Ohio State and Nebraska fans, they've always probably conversed. I just don't know how friendly it's always been, but now it's now it's all good. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, what was – you've been in the league uh, f- forever. I mean, you've been covering Ohio State for a long time, and when Nebraska joined the league, you were one of the first sources we reached out to to, you know, get caught up on the Buckeyes. And what's, what's, the, what's Nebraska's rep and perception been – in your opinion, in, in the you know since they joined the league, and has that flipped now, uh, at least with some members of the conference? I know Nebraska is trying to build back up on field, and they've they've not been awful, but they've not been old school Nebraska. But just from a perception standpoint, is it kind of a new era for Nebraska around the league? I feel like it is. I'm sure Nebraska fans feel the same way that you know we all thought you know here in Ohio, and I'm sure across Big Ten country that Scott Frost would just hit the ground running and you know and that didn't happen the first two years but I still believe he's the right guy for the job and is going to return Nebraska to prominence. Are they going to win three national championships in a decade? Probably not. That was crazy what happened in the 90s but Ohio State fans have liked Nebraska for a long time. I'll get to the respect factor in a moment. The like comes from 1997 because you guys prevented Michigan from winning an outright national championship you know with Tom Osborne going out with the, the, the half national championship there so Buckeye fans have loved Nebraska ever since then but uh, yeah I mean just such a you know a, a tradition laden program Buckeye fans I know and I'm sure most if not all Big Ten fans welcomed Nebraska in with open arms and yeah I mean Nebraska when they joined the conference still wasn't Nebraska of the 90s obviously but I think everybody expected more um, I, you know, uh, but I think that's coming. I do think that's coming, and that's going to be good for the Western Division. The Western Division has beefed up. You know, Purdue is on the uprise, and it's all about coaching. If you got the right coach, you can win. You know, you got to have recruits. You know, stars absolutely matter, but you know, give me that team that has B plus talent but an A plus coach. 
over a team that has A minus talent, but like a C minus coach. Give me that team with the B plus talent and the A plus, A plus coach every time. So I feel like the Western Conference has got their coaches in line now. PJ Fleck at Minnesota, Scott Frost at Nebraska, and uh, I'm looking forward to our brothers from another mother, uh, you know, having a good season. Like I was joking on our board today. I'm like, are you guys having on, on Bucknuts? I was like, are you guys having a little you know, conflicted feelings about the Nebraska game? And then I put in parentheses, okay, we'll we'll root for them every game except for once if they're playing the Buckeyes. But that's the the, the point it's gotten to. You know, we can joke about it, but it does feel like Ohio State Nebraska are like forever like aligned as buddies. Now, all it takes is one on-field incident to change all of that. We know that to become like evil enemies. But uh, right now, it's like Ohio State and Nebraska are going to be forever aligned as friends, in my opinion. Dave Biddle's with his buck nuts, and uh, we are talking a Big Ten return to play. So have you had a sneak peek of the Ohio State schedule as far as crossovers go? We're, we're waiting on official word. I, I don't know that Nebraska's ready for – Ohio State, Penn State, but I'd still like to to get that as the crossover. Maybe I'm nuts, but I want to just I just want to see where Nebraska's at in year three because of where they're at on the offensive line, where they're at with Adrian. Got a lot of skill guys that are major upgrades from what they've had. Not predicting wins by any means. I'm just saying it, it isn't going to be. Let's leave at halftime, uh, potentially anyway. I mean, I think Nebraska is going to be better. It may not just show in the wins-loss column. What do you feel is, is coming for Ohio State with their, with their West crossover? Yeah, it looks like, you know, I believe the news that's leaked out. I, I, I tend to fall, um, you know, in congruence with that. I think it's going to be Ohio State's going to have at Illinois, and then they're going to have the Cornhuskers here in Columbus. Um, and there's a lot of talk out there. I mean, like, you look at Nebraska, it's like the big deal. Nebraska was suing the Big Ten, and now the Big Ten for the crossover games is going to give Nebraska the highest ranked teams in the Big Ten. They're already supposed to play Ohio State anyway, but that is interesting. So you guys get to play uh, Ohio State and Penn State. Penn State, though, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens with them. That'll be a tough game, but, you know, looking at Nebraska and Ohio State, um, you know, like you said, I mean, Adrian Martinez now in his third year, uh, he's start- and not just in his third year, but it started since he was a true freshman. You have to think this could be a breakout year for him. What Scott Frost did at UCF was not uh, an accident. He is a very, very good coach. So I think you guys have the right coach for your program, and like I said earlier it's really all about that um and nebraska has to recruit nationally because it's it's tough you can't just recruit regionally um and that's why nebraska was so good you know back in the day is they were able to to get the the top players and then coach them up with tom osborne so now ohio state yeah it's going to be interesting man because they're still waiting to see what happens with wyatt davis who is arguably the best right guard in the country you don't see a lot of guards go in the first round at least high in the first round. He's projected as like a top 10 pick, um, you know, and, and he was really good last year. So he declared now he's going to try and come back. There's talk that he might have signed with an agent. We'll see what happens with that. Same deal with Sean Wade, another fourth-year junior that came back. He opted out. Now he might opt back in. We're going to find out tonight. Um, and I, he's coming back. He's not going to go on national TV and, and announce again that he's opting out. He's coming back. But there's talk that you know, those guys might have signed with an agent. They might have to pay the money back, or maybe they didn't take money. We'll see. But Ohio State lost a lot of guys, but the one the reason Ohio State, not the one reason, 
the main reason they're going to be really, really good, perhaps elite, is because Justin Fields is back. We saw how good he was last year as a first-year starter. Now you have to think as a junior, and final year of college ball, and the Ryan Day offense, second year in the Ryan Day offense. You've got to, you got to think Justin Fields is going to be even better. So um, we'll see what happens. But I'm just glad we're talking football. But this Ohio State team could contend for the national championship. And that's the expectation here. It's not national championship or bust. I think there are some fans that are like that, obviously, Chris. But mm-hmm. I think most fans are like, we, you, the ball, you, you have to be elite. You've got to stay relatively healthy. And the ball's got to bounce your way to win a national championship. But the expectation is absolutely for Ohio State to go 9-0, and win the Big Ten Championship, and get in the playoff. It's going to be extremely tough to beat Clemson. And Alabama, I think, is going to be right there as well. And maybe you know Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe Ohio State won't be there. But that's the expectation is Ohio State's going to go 9-0 and and make the college football playoff and then see what happens from there. I want to get your thoughts. What, what has Coach Day and uh, Gene Smith, what have they been able to, to communicate enforce whatever way you want to term it how has ohio state handled covid and these are these are it's a pretty high bar it's it's doable but it's a high bar with the positivity rate and the 21 days and you know the the stringent policies that are in place to get back and play is that a concern for you with ohio state or are you concerned about some teams in the East Division, maybe some crossover teams you may play, Illinois, for example. Do you think the league will will be able to be disciplined enough to, to have uh, the 8-plus-1? Do you, do you worry about that? I do worry about it. I do think, you know, if I was betting, I do think the, the games will go off. We'll have you know, all eight games, and we'll have the ninth game, the Big Ten Championship game, and then you know, the other teams are also going to be playing a ninth game, which I, I, I that's creative, and I, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a concern. I mean, you never know, especially when they made the threshold 5% of the team. It has to be all at once. It's not, you know, you don't add it all up. But, like, uh, if 5% of the team has COVID, then you call off the game. And it's, that's, you know, we're talking, like, what is that, like 10 guys on the team? I mean, that's still a lot. But we've seen at one point what Clemson had over 20. LSU's had a bunch of, at the same time. Texas Tech, I don't know how many they've had at one particular time. But there's talk they've had over 70 total. Um, so that is a concern. And if you get games that are canceled, then all of a sudden are you going to play enough games to qualify for, for the college football playoff? Now, not to be crass, but if it's like Ohio State's able to play all their games, whoever comes out of the West is able to play all their eight games, and for some reason Maryland and Rutgers are sitting there and they can't play a game, I don't think you need to make that game up. They're not in, you know, they weren't in contention to make the, you know, in theory, wouldn't be in contention to make the Big Ten championship game, and therefore would not be in contention to make the college football playoff. So you wouldn't have to make up a game like that. It's like what we're seeing in Major League Baseball. Like, there's talk with, with the St. Louis Cardinals. Are they going to have to make up the final two games with the Detroit Tigers? Well, it depends on if the Cardinals need to make up those games. If they already have it clinched, they won't need to make, them, make it up. If they do, um, then they'll have to make up those games against the Detroit Tigers for games 59 and 60. It's going to be the same thing in the Big Ten. I think if there's a game that's called off, um, you know that's going to be like really tough. I mean, I mean, there's there's no room for error with the Big Ten, unlike uh, or you know unlike what we're seeing in Major League Baseball. So I think it's going to go off, Chris. I think we're going to have all eight games. You might have a lot of walk-ons playing in certain games, but uh, again, we'll see what happens. But I do think they're going to be able to find a way to get all of the teams, all 14 teams, to play nine games. Dave Biddle's with us, Bucknuts at Dave Biddle on Twitter. Dave got about a minute. What is next for Urban Meyer? I like seeing him on BTN. And he's a really nice analyst, but is he comfortable in that chair or is his eye wandering? Do you think he coaches again? 
I'll be surprised if he doesn't coach again. Um, I, I might be in the minority there, but and I know he loves what he's doing now. So I don't know if he's in a hurry to do it. Uh, it'll take the right situation. Um, but I'll be surprised if we've seen Urban Meyer coach his last game. I, I just will be. He's too you know, relatively young of a man to uh, you know, go out like that if he doesn't want to go out like that. Now, he's set for life. He's a legend regardless of what he does. He's set for life with money. He's set for life with his legacy. But I have a feeling we're going to see Urban Meyer coach college football again, Chris. SC, Notre Dame, I mean, are those the two that would, would be too enticing to pass up? Yeah, I wonder about USC. If they, have, if they still keep the president that they have, and she's relatively new, she's already come out and said, you know, last year when they were kicking around the idea, she came out and said on the record that they wouldn't even look at Urban Meyer. If you have the president of USC saying that now, presidents can, you know, be in and out pretty quickly, as we know. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he'd be interested. It doesn't sound like they would be. Notre Dame would be interesting to me. Now, Brian Kelly just signed his extension, but he, he's one four and eight season away from them firing him. So part of me tells me it's, it's a program we're not even thinking of, you know, part of, you know that's maybe a, a program that's a sleeping giant type of a program. But I do think he'll coach again. Dave, great to get caught up again. We'll do this uh, sooner rather than later. And thanks for the time. Thanks, Chris. Good talking to you. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on City Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back to it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It is time for the Pride of Chicago. He's with VEASAN. He hosts Rush Hour. That's nightly. Also does Bet on Chicago, plus props and locks. He's on TV. He's on radio. We say hi to the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, at uh, Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, what's up, man? Good news, good feelings here, and you got to be smiling, too, uh, in Chicago with uh, the Big Ten coming to their senses. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, we finally got here. Fight everyone saying we weren't going to get there. And I think the best part of it, Schmitty, is, well, now guys like Desmond Howard and we'll see Mike Wilbon be very happy that Big Ten's playing. But I'm sorry, I thought they said that Nebraska shouldn't be in the Big Ten and that what they were doing was useless. And now they're cheering for it? Sorry, I just had to get that brief off my chest. I know you guys have already been giving them crap, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm happy that we uh, the boys are going to be playing this season. Well, of course, you know, our friend Desmond, and we ran into Desmond when he was at a uh, uh, championship fight down at PBA. So he's been to Nebraska before uh, when he was uh, about three summers ago. But, yeah, Desmond Desmond says, hey, no, Nebraska's going to be sneaky good. So he did, <laughs> he did say that yesterday. Oh, man, just trying to, uh, I guess, try, it's either a little passive-aggressive comment or he's trying to win us back. I don't know which one it is, but it's probably the former. I would go passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I would put the heat on that. <laughs> Daddy, uh, we'll get to some, some college football thoughts from you. Burke's best bets, uh, Daddy Burke here. And uh, give me a thought on, on Thursday. I was really impressed with the finish, not the field goal, but the finish by Cincinnati and, and the way things went. Uh, everything but, but the win, right? Or at least overtime. Meanwhile, Cleveland and Baker Mayfield got destroyed by Baltimore. This is Cleveland tonight, minus six. What do you think of this uh, this clash of two rivals? Man, hands up. I mean, I, I was someone who took the points with Cleveland. It was actually one of the sharper plays of week one. And we kind of just got proven wrong that, it look, it's still Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. It wasn't as much as a bet against the Ravens as it was that it seemed to like a little bit too many points against this Cleveland team that you would think would finally take at least a little step forward. Stefanski, yes, he's a new coach, but offensively, you add in Austin Hooper, 
Baker Mayfield just seems like he was ready to go this year and he thought they would at least be able to put up more points than what they did. Plus, there was a good trend where it was teams that had won four to six games the previous year were 70% against the spread, so that was a pretty good number to back. Nonetheless, yes, they get their uh, butts kicked in. But this week, obviously, uh, tonight they have a good opportunity to get the win. I do think they do. I'm not rushing to lay the six as of this point. I see this total at 43.5. I would probably gravitate toward the under, if anything, in that game. Um, I don't really have anything strong with this with this game. I'll probably wait to see where the line moves or go more so in-game with it. But, no, you're right about the Bengals, though. This is a team that um, I was actually very close to betting when they were at, like, three or three and a half, and they had their chance to just poor Burrow just get screwed and gets his welcome to Cincinnati with the missed kick and the kicker kind of faking his injury or whatever it may be. But I do think this Bengals team will be solid in the sense that they'll keep a lot of these games close. Will they get a lot of wins? Probably not. But I think they're going to be closer than a lot of people think because you have a healthy A.J. Green. T. Higgins is sure to make an impact. Joe Mixon still a solid running back. And as long as Burrow's offensive line can help him out, you can see what the kid can do like we did at the end of the game. So, you know, maybe even if you want to tease down Cleveland just to win it and pair it with another team, that might not be a bad option either. Look at the team total points for the Browns as well. But honestly, I'm probably going to wait to see for the final movement or look at some kind of unique props and go from there rather than just betting it straight up. Danny Burks with us. VEASAN Network and uh, Rush Hour is his daily show uh, at Danny Burke 5. Your, your Bears looked un-Chicago-like, and I'm sure you've got the, the Trubisky jersey on in, in honor. Who else do you like this weekend? Are you, are you sticking with Chicago as your eyes wandered to Green Bay? Do you look at the, uh, the Sunday night matchup? Where are you uh, interest-wise, and what, what's kind of peaking your interest here as a good matchup? Yeah, it's kind of funny. The Chicago game, I just thought absolutely stunk. I mean, the last game, yes, it stunk. But coming up, like, line-wise against the Giants, I think that one kind of stinks, too. Five-and-a-half is kind of an ugly spot for this Bears team. They could certainly cover that easily just based on the Giants still being the Giants and Joe Judge looking like he doesn't, he's not ready to coach a football team. I know it's only week one, but still, I mean, I thought this Giants team was going to have a little bit better performance against the Steelers. Um, Bears-wise, it could be a big game for Allen Robinson with everything happening with his contract. So maybe he goes off and the Bears just dominate and get a solid win. That's not a game that I'm necessarily looking to bet. Uh, one that I kind of circled out like last night, the Broncos and Steelers. This one moved up to the Steelers being a 7.5-point favorite. Anything I'd look to take the 7.5 with the Broncos, I'm still not completely sold on the Steelers' offense. James Conner looks like he's going to be out. You know, Philip Lindsay's going to be out for the Broncos. But you still have Melvin Gordon. Drew Locke can do well enough to keep him in the game. We know how good that defense is for Denver. I think that could be a close, low-scoring game. Another one I looked at, I looked to lay the 6.5 with the Cardinals against the Washington football team. I just think it's going to be really hard to stop Kyler Murray like we saw what was evident against that 49ers defense. Now imagine what they could do against the Washington defense. And I know Washington still is a pretty solid defense, but I think getting under that key number of 7 with the Cardinals would be a good look. Um, some other ones that I saw, um, I took the over in the, uh, what was it, the um, the Falcons and the Cowboys game at 52. It's circling still around that 52-and-a-half spot, but I think that's a game that's going to soar over, in my opinion. I think the Cowboys go off against his Falcons defense, and we know offensively um, what the Falcons are capable of, so I like them in that spot. Also, then, I got screwed by them last week, but I'm betting the Vikings again, Schmitty. I'm taking the three with Minnesota. It's not as much that 
I'm betting against the Colts and what happened. But, I mean, who knows what Phillip Rivers is going to be this season. And, honestly, I think the Vikings were better than what they showed on the field last week against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers just had a phenomenal game. And I think that this offense for Minnesota should pick up. And defensively, I think they can get to uh, Phillip Rivers enough. Were you bit at all by Tennessee-Denver, the, the minus three, and it ended up being a two-point game? You know, I actually wasn't, thankfully. The only thing I did that game was first half under 20 and a half. So I was happy with all those missed field goals. But I do know <laughs> some people who got screwed by it. And uh, that's just a nice warm welcome back to the NFL, huh? Danny Burks with us, the pride of Chicago. Burks best bets at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, got about a minute here. The, the two college games I'm interested in, Georgia Tech, Central Florida, Miami, Louisville. Any thoughts on either? So with this UCF and Georgia Tech one, I actually was able to snag seven with UCF. You had to pay like a buck twenty more though, so a little bit more premium to get it to that seven. It was the only seven I saw available. Um, but that's the way I would go. I know Georgia Tech looks like they're going to be a sneaky competitive team this season. But honestly, I mean, you're returning most of the same offense with this UCF team. So at the fact that it was the best number at that point, that's why I like UCF. I think offensively they're going to do enough to at least, in my opinion, obviously there is a way worst-case scenario they lose. But in my opinion, I think they win it. In worst-case scenario, it's probably by a touchdown so they would push. Um, for Miami-Louisville, I took the over in this game. I believe I got it at 64. I also looked the way of Louisville laying two and a half. I know a bunch of the public is on that side as well, and some of the Sharps are leaning more toward Miami. But really, I just love this Louisville offense. And Miami, yes, the Air King's awesome, but I'm just not sold on their defense, so that's why I also played the total in this spot. I think Louisville just has a little bit more of an edge. You get it under that key number of three, so I think the Cards get the win against Miami this week. Danny Burke, Rush Hour Daily show with him of course vison network and uh, you can find danny on twitter at danny burke five danny have a good weekend we'll talk next week thanks again all right you bet smitty thank you miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time on a thursday big thanks to brandon vogel and dave biddle from ohio state uh, danny burke was with us and Gary Barnett got things kicked off at 5. We check in with Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, we have football. We can do that football hot tub party and make it a reality. How are you? I know it. I know it. And I hope everybody out there has gotten ahead of the game and gotten their spas ordered, gotten them delivered. We can, we can still make that happen, but uh, I don't know timing. They're a little hard to get now, but uh, you need to come in and see us. We'll get one ordered for you, and we'll get it there quicker than anybody else. You will do that, and you've been doing that for, for three decades, Deb, taking care of folks and making that family time or that relaxation a reality. And tell, tell me, uh, you've got your NFL fans, you've got your college football fans, but everyone's a fan of either relaxing or being able to, to relax and also exercise, you've got the perfect combo, don't you? Yes, we do. And really, the swim spas have been the answer to that. They are something that you can enjoy. Just You know, you can have a lot of friends over and just use them as a gigantic hot tub <laughs> or cool them down a little bit and do your exercises, whether you swim or maybe you walk, maybe you do aerobics, uh, arm exercises, leg exercises. 
and then you can sit back and relax and enjoy those chats. So that swim spa has really fit the bell this year. You could have the mother of all socially distanced uh, yeah. hot tub parties and football parties in your backyard, couldn't you? You're right. Plus, you have chlorine in there uh-huh. that kills. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a hot tub is the answer. I think a swim spa from Deb's the way to go. So, Deb, I got to ask, uh, is anyone going to beat your Chiefs? Oh, I don't think so. Uh-uh. I think it's going to be, a, I, well, I don't know. They sure did look good the other night. And that new little running back, oh, he's hardly much taller than me. Well, uh, imagine imagine old Clyde in, in your swim spa. I know. I know. Oh, he would Oh, he would be so short in there. But, oh, I bet he can swim and save himself. I think so, too. <laughs> Deb, now tell me, we're going to do this throughout football season. Give me a, a, your, your tub of the week. Oh, that's hard, Chris, because <laughs> they're so difficult to get. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the Cal Spa again. Okay. The Cal Spa. Seven foot by seven foot, thirty nine jets with the lounge, the lay down, or all seats you could seat more people in. Okay. That's gonna be our biggest seller this year and it has been for the last probably two years. So it's gonna it's gonna remain the hot hot tub. Well, there we go. That's Deb's lock of the weekend, the cow spa, right? You're gonna right. go come get the cow spa and see Deb. Deb, when can folks come visit you? What are the hours? 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 on Saturday. And you can go to our website. If you have some questions, we'll get right back to you. It's spasonline.com. That is Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 off Industrial Road in Omaha. And uh, go get that cow spa, get that swim spa. Deb, you take care and enjoy your football. Okay, I will, Chris. Talk to you next week. All right, take care. There she is, Deb the Spa Lady. Great to run her down. She is happy, man. She's uh, got Clyde carrying the football for Kansas City. NFL tonight, the Joe Burrow Show in a little bit. Take care. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.